The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now, your hosts, Christy Scales, Aisha Morrison, and Jess Navarez. Well, happy Victory Monday, Cowboys Nation. Welcome to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, Christy Skills. Aisha Morris and Jess Navarre is here with you on this beautiful Monday afternoon here in the SWBC Podcast Studios. Ladies, I love these uh, pink lights a little bit more after a Dallas Cowboys win. Uh, we just got out of the coordinators' meetings and Mike McCarthy's press conferences. Um, and I should say press conferences, not necessarily meetings, uh, which is why we're a little late today. But that means we have even more nuggets to give you, you guys throughout the day. All right, your Dallas Cowboys are now officially 3-1 and one as they defeated the New England Patriots in Week 4, 38 to three. I just had to be a little dramatic about that. Uh, the jar is ready. I don't know if you guys can see that. You yeah. know it's coming today. Yeah, today. This, is, this is the pun jar that we started last week. Ready. So whenever Jess comes up with a pun or whenever we have a tater tots or a <laughs> barnacles or when I swig a Dr. Pepper, we have to put money in the jar. And so I just want you guys to know that with Deron Bland's two oh. interceptions and one return for a touchdown, I know that Jess, <laughs> I've just brought dollar bills. Jess, why don't you go ahead and get your first Ron Bland pun out of the way? How did how did he play yesterday? He was anything but Bland. I'm just gonna put it in there, and so you're covered for Duran for the rest (laughs) of the. But he was the defensive MVP, certainly. (laughs) You know, we'll get into it because I knew I knew you would come prepared. I also brought dollars, which is hilarious because they're uh, in the backpack. However. Yeah, Deron Bland, a lot of one of the many playmakers that you saw on that defense yesterday. Let's go into first. What are some of the initial reactions, Chris? You were at the game. You were on the sidelines. What was the energy like on the sidelines? I mean, throughout the entire game after. Uh, I guess the first scoop and score. Yeah, it was great. But, you know, it was great all week. The tone was that the defense was unhappy with the way they played in Arizona. And I think we all knew that they were going to take it out on somebody. And it happened to be Mac Jones and the Patriots. In fact, before the game, I'd say it was about an hour and a half, maybe two hours before the game, I was talking with Dan Quinn on the sideline. And we're about the same age. And so we kind of have the same cultural references. And I said, Dan, I have to admit that as the game ended, in Arizona last week, I was thinking of the old Mr. T A-team a line where it was, I pity the fool, because <laughs> the, the, the defensive players were mad with how they played last week. They mm-hmm. were frustrated. It was evident last week that, that you know, they were going to take it out on somebody. And uh, Dan said, yeah. Then we started talking about really kitschy 80s TV. Uh, So anyway, I'm not surprised by the way the defense responded. And it was the formula in the first two wins. It was was takeaways, setting up the offense, and same results where it was a lopsided score. Oh, yeah. I I think my first impression was just how much they clicked early, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to move the ball kind of at will. But – Special teams, like we talked about it this week that we thought that that would be the difference maker. And then to hear, you know, Bones kind of talk about the momentum shift because of 
you know, you had the great punt from the 58-yarder from Anger, who doesn't get enough love, I don't think. And then the defense gets the big stop. And, well, they get the big stop, the scoops and score. And then they do the fake. And it's just like that quickly that game changed. And from there, um, they were able to go on and, and win the game by a large margin. I just think that's the killer instinct that I'm excited to see mm-hmm. is that when they see somebody struggling, uh, it, you know, Bones just mentioned it. Like, we got them spooked a little bit, you know. Spooked. Like that, yeah, like, it is October. Does that count as one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I did it. Get another. Oh, man. Does that count All as All right. One? Here's, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give her one more before I put another dollar in. I can't. But, no, like, I, I that's something that I've been looking for <laughs> and wanted to see from this this team, and I think we've gradually started to see is like when they see a matchup, when they see that they can take advantage of something, they do, and that's something that I think good teams do in the NFL. Yeah, and, was, and the complimentary football, yeah, right? There you go. Yeah, that teams. was also a really good transition from September football to now October football because now you're starting to see that threshold where Mike McCarthy said you see teams starting to establish and develop a little bit more, mm-hmm. get their footing, get the, get the ground under them, really feel what they have to work with, and excel from there, and I I think something that's the most exciting for me for this team is Mike McCarthy hasn't had to show his full hand yet. And what a perfect week to go into this week five matchup with the 49ers, not having all of the tricks out of your bag just yet. And again, you could probably say that for a lot of the teams across the league, but the Cowboys specifically, it's so intriguing because one, Mike Mike McCarthy calling the plays for the first time uh, here with the Dallas Cowboys. And then you just, you don't really know what to expect just yet because this team has given you a different look, different unscouted looks every single week. You go into week one, you have a rain game plan. Uh, You're not going to see that again unless you're in the rain. No rain in the forecast in Santa Clara. I did check. Uh, And then two, week two, you go into the Jets. uh, Or no, week one, you were at the Jets. Giants? Week week one at Giants. Giants, Week two, Jets. And then Cardinals. We're getting to that point in the season already. All very different feels. And then you go to this Patriots game very different team so you don't exactly have a consistent idea of what the Cowboys look like you know it works for them you know it doesn't but Mike McCarthy hasn't had to fully show what he is capable of doing with yeah, his offense. but you also haven't calling. had a consistent offensive line either and so what yeah. they had to do in Arizona when you were missing not just three starters but three Pro Bowl uh, players caliber mm-hmm. players so um, you know Mike admitted you know, later in the week that that uh, there were some calls that he wish he had back or things that changed. And, and we didn't see uh, the same kind of personnel groupings and calls that we had seen in the first two weeks. So that that's part of it as well. Let's, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say um, you go first and then we'll give you an injury update and what we know so far. Sounds so great. Ahead. Thanks. Um, so Shadi mentioned as well, because I asked about the chunk plays because mm-hmm. those are things we've mm-hmm. been looking for. That's what killed you last week against the Cardinals, um, is that the Cardinals have more. So um, just seeing some of those chunk plays, um, 18, 20 yards, 28, 29-yard uh, chunk plays from these, this receiver core, I wanted to ask Brian Schottenheimer if that was something that they could build upon. And he kind of alluded to kind of what you're saying, Jess, is the fact that, you know, it was kind of cool to show, like, hey, no, nah, huh, 
we can do that too. Like we can do that as well. We can be methodical and, and work down the field, but we also can take these big chunk plays away when, when we need to. And that's another building block to me for this offense as they uh, continue to grow in this mm-hmm. in this year. But even with that, that's also personnel related to injury wise, because mm-hmm. when did they throw it long to CD land or well, 20 yard touchdown pass, <laughs> the play after Not Christian the Gonzalez, the NFL defensive rookie of the month, mm-hmm. the play after he, yeah. He hurts his shoulder tackling Tony Pollard over on a Cowboys sideline. They go right after his replacement uh, on that. So, and, and remember, they were also down the other starting cornerback. So, New England was without both of their starting uh, cornerbacks for over three quarters of that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good points there. Let's go into a little bit of the injury updates that we know uh, so far because Rico Dowdle was ruled out of the game with a hip injury. We're hearing it's a contusion. And so, that's basically just a really deep bruise uh which obviously you don't want to see any injury but i'm so glad it was not worse for rico because as soon as we heard hip i think everybody had a little a little panic because of the injury that he came off of from last season and that two 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 hip injuries and so um it's a contusion uh mike mccarthy said he would be with the rehab group come wednesday when they uh come back to practice and that he would see, but he feels optimistic. Stephen Jones saying that this morning on 105.3 The Fan as well. So good stuff there with Rico Dowdle, who we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the run game here in a little bit. Uh, Zach Martin, also another guy that everybody obviously is concerned about his health uh, for, for good reason. It's Zach Martin. Zach Martin, uh, Mike McCarthy said the same thing. Very uh, optimistic about Zach, and they have a good both, Rico and Zach have a good chance to play come Sunday. Zach probably going to be with that rehab group on Wednesday as well uh, is my guess there. Micah Parsons also got a little banged up throughout the game. Stephen Jones saying this morning that it was nothing of concern. It was taken care of. Mike McCarthy elaborating a little bit more during the press conference saying it was an ankle and a knee that he got checked out during the game. Um, So... You're, you're out of September football. You're transitioning more towards that threshold where everybody is starting to play a little banged up. You're, you're seeing that part of the season. But uh, what I really like about how the Cowboys approach this is rest days, for one, and they figure out ways to conserve the longevity of these players' bodies for mm-hmm. the amount of season that's left. Yeah, it's really a sigh of relief for Rico Dowdle in particular because you mentioned his injury history, and it was the 2021 preseason. It was the third preseason game, and they're playing Houston, and he suffers the broken hip. And so he's out for the – he was on injured reserve that entire year. But, um, uh, you know, when it first happened – the injury actually happened in the second quarter – and uh, when they came out at halftime, they said, yeah, he's out for the remainder of the game and, and hip. And I'm like, oh, I'm fearing the worst because of the flashback from a couple years ago. But he did come back out on the sideline in the second half in street clothes. But at least he was out there. So I thought, oh, OK, good. It's not as bad as as uh, what it looked like. But um, with him being out, they were still able to keep Tony Pollard's uh, touches down. It's something that we talked about last week, how he was leading the league in touches, and you want to make sure that he's not overworked early in the season. So uh, Hunter Lipke and Deuce Vaughn uh, got the majority of the, the carries there in the fourth quarter. Does it count if Taylor Swift's on the TV? Does that count for the jar? Only if you mention it. If you I, had not mentioned it, I then it wouldn't. It. Uh, no, I couldn't help yeah. but she was right we, there. We, we have monitors here in our uh, SWBC podcast studio. Yeah, Taylor so. Swift is not actually here. She was 
on the screen, and I got very disappointed. So, so it was in Jess's eye line, and so uh, there we go. Sorry. There we go. I know we're going to hit real two more real. quarters they by also, the end of the day, so let's just put seemed, it in. Uh, I mean, granted, not much to know now, but Tyron? It sounds like they when, when yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, they're they feeling seem good. hopful uh, about Tyron. Tyron, yeah. oh my goodness, uh, it is Monday. They seem hopeful about Tyron again because it's so early in the week. Though we we won't really know until practice progresses through the week. Yeah. Um, but but here, here's how you know. There's a good feeling. Here's how you know that because there was speculation last week. If you know you're not going to have Tyron this week, why don't you move Tyler Smith from left guard to left yeah. tackle as you did at the beginning of last year? Well, they. They are not moving him because they think that Tyron is going to be back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. They think he could, he's going to be back before the bye week. Mm-hmm. Will it be this weekend in, in in Santa Clara to play the 49ers? Not sure about that. But if not, they're, they're pretty hopeful that it would be the following week against the Chargers. So if they had moved Tyler Smith then that would be your indicator that, ooh, they're not so sure about it. And then also we need to note how complimentary Brian Schottenheimer was today of Chuma Adoga. And I'll tell you, that guy, he was a warrior yesterday. Not only was he playing with that sore uh, elbow because he was injured a couple weeks ago and, you know, he's limited in practice with the sore elbow, but he was playing with a sore back yesterday. They got this, I don't know what to call it other than magic juice, but sometimes guys will come over and they'll, you know, like maybe some something with their muscle or they'll, um, the athletic trainers will pull up the their uh jerseys and rub it on their lower backs and stuff but mm. but that was in the second quarter yesterday that they started putting the magic juice on Chuma's back and and he still played the full game he and Terrence Steele had 100% of the snaps yesterday yeah definitely I had to check myself before I wreck myself when it comes to uh Chuma just because I think sometimes you got to look I, I can tell you firsthand, seeing some of the things in training camp when it's Micah and things like that, I was concerned with him being a left tackle just because of some of the things I've seen prior to. But he stepped in on short notice numerous times, and he's been dependable. Um, and he, like you said, he's he's fighting out there. And so, yeah, I definitely had to um, – People are allowed to get better. Players are allowed to get better. They're allowed yeah. to adjust. They're allowed to. And and I'm just learning in my learn my young career that good analysts can take a step back and admit when they were wrong about a player. And I feel like I was unfair with my evaluation of him at first. I should have given him a chance to show us what he could do. And he's well, been good. Yeah, five, five-year veteran, but I believe he'd only had like seven career starts yeah. coming in. Yeah. And tackle, you know, with the Jets and then a couple of uh, starts last year at guard mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with the Falcons. So just because you're five years in the league doesn't mean you have that much uh, tread on your tires or that much experience. Yeah. So So he's getting it now. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Let's take our first break so we don't uh, run a little bit long. When we come back, let's continue this offensive line talk. Let's talk about what we saw a little bit more, how the red zone um, offense looked as far as productivity, what we saw. Uh, Talk about some touchdowns. And then a little bit later, we're going to get into all things defense. Dan Quinn had some good stuff for us at the press conference today as well. So We'll be right back. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Ah. 
At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to get into this Cowboys offense and then we're going to talk some defense, some special teams as well. But first, your Dallas Cowboys head to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers in week five of the 2023 season. Come out to the Miller Lighthouse at AT&T Stadium on October 8th for a free watch party presented by 7-Eleven. Cheer on the boys alongside the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Rowdy while enjoying $5 Miller Lights, barbecue, game day fair, and more. Gates open at 6 p.m. and kickoff is at 720 for more information and to claim your free tickets visit dallascowboys.com slash party watch party go cowboys um definitely a good time those watch parties are a lot of fun if you uh, have the chance to go you absolutely should all right final score 38 to 3 uh the dallas cowboys are now three and one let's go over some offensive um statistics here from what you saw Dak Prescott had 261 passing yards, one touchdown there, uh, zero interceptions with a rating of 108.5. Jake Ferguson, your receiving leader of the night. He was a perfect seven for seven with 77 yards. His longest catch was a 21-yarder. Uh, let's go to rushing. Tony Pollard had 11 touches on the ball, 47 yards, averaged about 4.3 yards per carry. Um of course, this is uh, also to be mentioned because I know we'll talk about him too. Michael Gallup was five for six, 60 yards there as well. C.D. Lamb having himself a night, a touchdown, and then Hunter Lipke uh, also his first career touchdown, which was exciting <laughs> to see uh, there as well. Let's go back to the offensive line and how it pertains to the red zone. The Cowboys were 1-4 and four in the red zone during this game, and that streak was broken uh, with Hunter Lipke's three-yard rushing touchdown there late in the game. I've seen Twitter calling Hunter Lipke, Lipke the governor, uh, the president, and Hunter Lipke is very loved right now uh, for breaking that drought in the red zone. So people are, are vying for Hunter Lipke, uh, because they are just very happy uh, to see that drought broken. However, it's still going to be a point of emphasis. Hunter Lipke, yes, started the hopefully trend of seeing more productions production in the red zone into the end zone, but there's still room for some work there. Christy, what were you seeing uh, in the red zone? That's the kind of the stopping point for them, if you will. Yeah, I think it'd be a different tune of uh, Schoonmaker. That would have been a tough catch by Schoonmaker. Yeah. I mean, but a good read and a good throw by Dak. But if he would have hauled that one in, I think we'd all be singing a, a different uh, tune today. But, um, yeah, you when you're playing a team like the 49ers, you're going to have to – you can't just settle for field goals against a, a team that has an arf- offensive arsenal the way that the 49ers do. So uh, will it continue to be a point of emphasis? Yes, obviously. But uh, I'm with you. It, it was fun to see uh, Hunter uh, get on the board uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. They, they just um, – I think they just got to find 
some comfort down there. I just think they, they have to, because when you go back and look at a lot of what's happening, I mean, Tony going the wrong way, yeah, running into yeah, each that, other. It's, that was, that was it's, a it's miscommunication. It's a lot of it as execution and just miscommunication. Even Mike McCarthy mentioned today, you know, they got caught with uh, the, the pressure. You know, the, the blitz pickups didn't come, and, and that's what affected things. So it's just... It's very fixable things, but I'm at a point to where I'm just like, I'm not going to overanalyze it at this point anymore because it's just, they just got to do it. And it sounds yeah. simple, but it's like, they just got to do it. And not only that, they have to shake it off and just get some comfort down there. Cause it kind of feels like once they get down there, they may be, you know, yeah. Yeah. anxious. Yeah. Well, anxious well, the, pre well, the previous week was injuries. The pre yeah. uh, sorry, oh, yeah. not oh, injuries, penalties. The yes. previous week was penalties. <laughs> mm -hmm. See, we're in that um, point of the season. Yeah, I know. Everything already. is blending together. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you can you can point to oh, there's the the call on Adoga, you know, in, in week yeah. three, for example, and then the miscommunication, basically Pollard didn't get the call, mm -hmm. um, on the, yeah. where he and Dak collided on, on the handoff. So, um, yeah, you've got to clean it up. Everybody knows it. They know it better than anybody else. Yeah. It's just a different thing every week as far mm -hmm. as like what's happening down there particularly. And I just think it'll happen. Um, and hopefully once it starts con to continuously happen, it'll get easier for them down there. It kind of break the ice and continue to do it. I, but I do think yeah. that that drive was big to, for them to cap it off, yep. like to, to gain that confidence moving forward that, hey, you can run the ball down here. It's okay. Like but, it's it's well, going to work. <laughs> but, but one other point is they are settling for field goals. You know, because Aub the Aubrey has so many, I mean, short field goals this year. It's amazing yeah. to look at his stat line to see all of these attempts. And so when you, when you have a lead, when you're not playing from behind and having to, I won't say risky, but, you know, having to, you know, really – go for the touchdowns and not just settle for points to build on the lead. And, um, you know, they're, they're calling things a little bit differently because in three of the four games, they, they have been nursing large leads. So that's not an excuse. I mean, everybody knows what the, the issues are, but, um, but just recognize that, that you, you are playing, you are calling games situationally. Yeah. Uh, this, 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 but this, the week that, uh, you're gonna have to change that up. Yeah, yeah. Have to yeah be the forty nineers. Yeah. yeah, this is this and that's why I'm excited about this week. Is because it's the competitors that they are, if they have been refraining or a little bit just because of the situations, fair. Not this week, bro. No. no. <laughs> Not this week. No. We'll see the whole we'll see we'll see what they got this week. And here's the thing. We we've been talking about, you know, maybe playing a little conservatively with the ball. You don't have to do much when your defense is playing like they did on Sunday. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but let's go down uh, the scoring drive here, just scoring play-by-play. -play. Uh, Brandon Aubrey had a 23-yard field goal. CeeDee Lamb, a 20-yard pass from Dak. Leighton Vanderish with the scoop and score. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Another 23-yard uh, fielder for Brandon Aubrey. Uh, and then Deron Bland, his interception is pick six. Uh, he's anything but bland, and there's already a dollar in the jar, so we don't have to add any more money. A 33-yard field goal by Aubrey, and then, of course, the three-yard run uh, by Lipke. So, overall, you hear that, though, and everybody's playing on all three sides of the ball. All three cylinders are firing off, even your special teams unit uh, making plays, setting tones, and, and changing momentum, even when the Patriots felt like they were getting some. Mm -hmm. Everybody was playing in a very cohesive unit, and... Um, 
as far as this offense goes, Aisha, I, I think a really good point that you've made is talking about Tyler Smith. I, I think the conversations you've had with him and what you've seen out of him, uh, Brian Schottenheimer talked about him really highly, praised him highly today. What have you noticed in these first few weeks of play that you've seen Tyler Smith return? Because given he was also uh, dealing with the injury bug there as well for the Giants game, what have you seen from Tyler Smith compared to last year and just this year two jump and how vital it has been for him? Yeah, I think... Um... I think Shadi mentioned it. He said he has tighter hands. And that's one thing that made that to me makes Tyron Smith special is, you know, people say once he gets his vice grips on you, gets the vice grip, it's you're done for. And so, hey, you know, Tyler moving into guard, that's something he's had to do is have stronger hands, which his hands, I called him paws coming out of the draft because that's when his paws were the reason why he was getting into trouble. And he was have he was, you know, super penalized. He's cleaned up his penalties. Um, and I think that's in his technique, but also to his awareness is so unique where he he gets up field he's so sure in his assignments you can tell that he's sure about his assignments because he's also able to help his buddy because you, you'll see on film numerous times where he's Chuma he made that transition last minute you know so he's telling him where to go there's times Chuma was unsure again because he's late in the install because of what's happening during the week mm. that also too has stood out to me is that he's so smart like, I don't think people understand the intelligence that it takes for someone to be able to do what he does and then to also be able to be like, you know what, I'm going to be working at guard, but I can still help you out and give you some tips here at Tackle. I've just been so impressed with his awareness, his communication, and his strength. Um, he he is going to be like a pivotal player for how far they go, and I'm just so impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he takes pride in being a student of the game in his yeah. diligence and study. If you want to get Tyler going and really talking a lot, talk to him about education. He's the child of an educator there in the Fort Worth ISD. And so, um, and then the other thing that Schottenheimer said that he really likes about Tyler is how much he loves the game. And so that's apparent in all the work that he does, you know, in the playbook and paying attention to fundamentals out on the field and things like that. So, yeah, he's... Like like the coaches say, they he stays healthy. He's going to be a stalwart for years to come. Absolutely. Let's take our next break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth about the Cowboys' defense. Mm. Uh, some key players. I am dying to talk about that LVE scoop and score so much. <laughs> we'll get into it when we come back. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Stay with us. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation, so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like.
welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Check out, check out the latest and greatest addition to tours at AT&T Stadium and at the Star in Frisco. Meet Jerry Jones, an interactive experience. Get a peek behind the curtain and into the fascinating life of Jerry Jones with a focus on innovative fan experience in partnership with AT&T. This interactive technology gives tour goers the opportunity to ask Mr. Jones a variety of questions. For more information and to book your tour, visit DallasCowboys.com. And when you do it uh, and you get to ask Jerry a question, (laughs) the most fun answer that he has is about Tony the Pony. So I'm just telling you, it's when he was a child in North Little Rock and they uh, had a, they gave away a Shetland pony at his dad's general store. And so he loves to tell the story about riding Tony the Pony in uh, a parade. So I'm pro everything Shetland. So when you you come to AT&T Stadium Tour or here at the Star, ask about Tony the Pony. There you go. Show me a picture of this. (laughs) That is, that is so. Hey, you want behind the scenes, if you want behind the scenes there you go Tony the pony (laughs) I love that okay um you know what else I love please (laughs) I didn't even say it yet I love the anything but bland defense that you saw from this Dallas Cowboys team throughout this game so let's talk about it Aisha you were just you know I'm gonna say I gave you a chance on Twitter I was like I hope you're thinking about me as like your sweet friend and you were like yep unfortunately so I was like oh I'm gonna torture you this week I'm gonna torture you I had it in my brain I woke up this morning I said annoy Aisha that is my goal today please and I'm glad it's working (laughs) please (laughs) please (laughs) let's talk about what this defense did yes um before Aisha kills me from across this table (laughs) All right, Duran Bland had two interceptions, one, of course, being that pick six. Um, you're go- we're going down the list here. Dante Fowler had a sack. Sam Williams had a sack. Uh, let's see. You had the scoop and score by um, Leighton, Ander- Leighton Vanderash. Oh, my goodness, guys. I am having such a Monday uh, today. My brain is all over the place. And overall, what you saw is a product of big plays happening once again for this defense because – the run defense, big conversation last week because that was a big downfall. However, you also weren't seeing big plays, the playmakers coming out to create the big plays, and you saw guys chasing their jobs instead of just doing it. You didn't get that feel this week. Everyone was doing what they needed to do, locked in and focused. Aisha, I'm going to defer to you for this one. How do you feel like, and we'll get into more 49ers matchup uh by the end of the week, but hmm. how do you feel like where this defense is right now after what you saw uh, week four, how do you think they pose a threat to the 49ers defense or offense, excuse me, or just really tough offenses throughout the rest of the season where they are right now? Um, so well, to kind of tie into this past game, your DT play was really good. And I really think that's pivotal to – um, it's going to be pivotal to your success because the formula that I think the Cowboys understand works for them is that the offense scores, the defense is able to go hunt. Or if the defense stops the run, they're able to rush the passer, and that is the strength of theirs to create turnovers. And with that, you need good DT play. Not only do you need good DT play, you need it because it also allows your linebackers to come up and tackle and your corners or whoever to come up and tackle. And that's where teams are trying to attack you on the edges. And so yesterday we saw a fantastic play from Hankins. Mozzie had some fantastic reps. Um, you, you see Osa 
uh, Chauncey, Chauncey even as a DT, that that interior played very well yesterday, and that allowed everything else to kind of work in free flow. And it wasn't a lot of last week. We saw a lot of second level tackles, so it wasn't a lot of that because your D two D D tackles were stout. So um, the threat that I think they pose is that they can continue to get that middle of that defense shored up. Teams can't if you can't run the ball on them, you got to pass on them, and that's probably. Most teams' worst worst nightmare, even teams with good offensive lines. So moving forward, if we can continue to get that level of DT play, that contain and stuff from the edges also, um, that D-line play kind of changes the whole ball game and allows your secondary to play free. Yeah, I think ball game. I love Dan Quinn using the baseball analogy in yeah. his press conference this afternoon, saying doing the baseball defensively, you got to be strong up the middle, right? And that's, I think you nailed it yes, with the the defensive tackle and their play. And he noted Gallimore using oh, yes, his quickness. Was it yes. was uh, probably was Neville's. Nev- oh my gosh. <sighs> We're running out of dollars. I, We're going to need 20s. At rush. this point, let her. <laughs> Jesus, Gallimore. So, um, you gotta but, know that but, but the, too. Come on, guys. But but you're right because if you're able to stop the run, then you can. And if you force them to pass, and mm-hmm. then, then you mm-hmm. can unleash the pass rush. But let's be frank, the Patriots they don't have a lot of threats on the outside. Fair. They they had to give up on the run pretty. Cowboys limited them to two point three yards per carry. Other than uh, Zeke's nine-yard run on his first touch, it was really bleak for that uh, Patriots rush attack or lack of attack. And so um, also they were playing from behind. And so – and Mac Jones getting benched in the third quarter, I mean, they just – the defense just totally dominated. And I love Deron Bland, and he's a great player in eight interceptions and, what, uh, 21 career games. 21 games. But when the ball is thrown across the field the way it was, you better intercept it. You mm. know, I mean, yeah. that was that was really a poor throw and poor decision. And so yeah. kudos to the Cowboys and, and Deron in particular for capitalizing on that. And then the other thing is when, when you we're talking about this defensive line and, and the defensive end with the – when you bring in Dante Fowler – and the way, with his sack strip fumble, I mean, the ratio of his playmaking, his catalytic plays to the number of, of reps that he actually gets, he's I so mean, effective. it's off the charts. Yeah, it really so is off the charts. You know, he's not even a starter, but he would be a starter for so many different teams. He is a former first-round draft pick and so um, of Jacksonville. And so, man, it's just, it's just so stacked. Yeah. I like the term ball hawk. Because Mm -hmm. when you think of a ball hawk, you think of somebody that's going for the interception. And what I like about this Cowboys defense is they're taking that term ball hawk and they're turning it into something that's more than that. Just trying to go for an interception, but you're watching where that ball is going to, to follow the play that can happen. You're not chasing the big play, but whether that means you set up the play for the guy next to you, you're watching that ball like a hawk, whether it's for the interception, to set up a big play for somebody else. They're taking the term ball hawk with every single opportunity yeah. that they get. And yeah. and I like that because, again, you have so many different ways you can terrorize opposing offenses, earning the pass rush, obviously, uh, putting pressure on. But then you also just can continue to see what these younger players are able to do. And they're really starting to gel so well within this unit. Deron Bland, obviously, um, the perfect example of that for me because – you look at this guy playing on the outside, 
and that's not necessarily where he's played a lot of the time, but he's adjusted and he's gelled well. I think Stefan Gilmore working with him a little bit more will be paid detriments for his career uh, as a player going forward, not just this season, but very much so your your veteran leadership effect like you've seen on this team time and time again. But it's a really exciting group when they play like this. I think they have their biggest challenge cut out for them obviously this weekend uh against the 49ers but yeah uh, what I liked about Dan Quinn's press conference today is he talked about taking accountability which we we talked about on the podcast last week how we we heard Mm -hmm. that but he said never once did somebody point a finger at somebody else and say this was your fault he said we were all looking at ourselves and say this is what I could have done better and just the amount of culture that is this entire this entire team, but specifically what Dan Quinn was talking about is so healthy. And uh, somebody asked him, well, some of the players mentioned playing for you and and uh, not wanting to disappoint you after the loss again and helping alleviate that. He said they play for each other. Mm-hmm. Corrected him instantly to say they play for each other. They don't yeah. play for me. Yeah. They play for each other. Um, just a very healthy team. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the other thing is um, when you're talking about the accountability and, and all that, you still you can't do too much. You still have to do your job and trust your teammate to do theirs. And I love what you said, Jess, about ball hawking. But a second dimension to that is also judgment, right? Because if you're going to go for the ball all the time, there is a risk-reward when you're a, a defensive back and you're making a play on the ball or deciding to go for an interception. And so uh, I think that Dan, when he talked about the good judgment that Duran mm. shows and to be able to do that at such a, a young age, you know, still so young, but but knows when to make the plays on the ball, um, that that's really key as well. Because, you know, hey, if you, if you don't make the play on the ball, it's... It's getting behind you and going, yeah, going thought, to the house possibly. I I also feel like you know to add on to the the things where I know we're going to talk about more of the defense, but just the the run defense also in itself. Um, I think Donovan Wilson, you could kind of see his legs starting. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get his oh, legs yeah. under him yep. and uh, and become that you know that eraser in the box. And uh, the usage between he and Wanye Thomas, I think, is going to be important going into a week like this. Mm where a team thrives off of yak. I mean, yak yards are what makes up so much of their offense. So, um, yeah, when you look at that, too, when you talk about this defense playing for each other and stuff, I I think what those guys do um, to clean up, in a way, also, too, is huge as well from the secondary. Yeah, boy, Donovan's hit on Mac Jones yesterday. He looked down at him like... That was one of the best hits of the game, for sure. He looked down at him like, what you doing there, buddy? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Well... Something I want to make sure to touch base on in this episode for Mm -hmm. time's sake, I know we could get into the defense a lot more, is let's go into special teams a little bit. Bones Fossil continues to fascinate me the more and more we hear from him in these press conferences. He's so smart, and the way he breaks down special teams really uh, makes you have an appreciation for it that I don't think enough people have as far as special teams goes. So um, I think when you're talking about special teams and the importance that it can really pose for, for a make or break of a game and the tone it can set, the momentum it can flip, look at Jalen Tolbert's big hit. And that is the perfect example of the importance of special teams. Uh, Bones talked about it today. He talked about Jalen. And this is a player that I cannot believe has never played special teams before this. I mean, and especially coming from the year he did last year, just incredible stuff from Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. 
Shadi said that he felt like this is the best game he's played as a cowboy. And I got that feeling walking away from the game. Um, you know, when you go back and rewatch, I mean, even even in the times he's out there and he's running around and he's just clearing somebody out. I mean, I just I'm just I know that it has to be rewarding for a coach, for coaches to just kind of see a guy get it and to apply it. Um I'm I'm I don't know just seeing him on uh, to your point seeing him on special teams like he's becoming a a serious gunner bro like oh yeah like he and and to have that versatility to be able to be like I mean I know every wide receiver has to play teams but that doesn't mean all of them play it well and (laughs) for him to play it well and to be able to come on the field also too and be a, a receiving threat a real receiving threat um yeah man that third that Give players time to give get better. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's 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 rewarding to see him get better. Yeah, that, he is. that play he made yesterday in coverage. Uh-huh. If it, it, no, Jalen Tolbert is number eighteen, Matthew Slater is number eighteen for the Patriots, one of the all time great special teams player in league history. If you know, if you didn't know the color of the uniform, you'd say eighteen. That's Slater, mm-hmm. but it yeah. was Tolbert. So, and then to to your point about offense. Four targets, four catches, just over 13 yards a catch. So, so yeah, yeah. The thing about Dak, it was very efficient yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jake Ferguson, yep. seven catches, seven targets, nine different receivers. But um, yeah, it was it was really gratifying. And you're right, that was a catalytic play to set things up for the uh, Cowboys defense. Absolutely. Um, for time's sake, we need our game balls mm-hmm. uh, to be handed out. So, ladies, I hope you were just stewing on this, just waiting for me to ask this question today. I'm gonna, I'll start with Christy first today. Look, I'll, I'll go this way. Uh, Christy, I'll, get your well, I have to go defense. So, just because it was them being back to themselves. Um, I mean, Fowler had the sack strip, but just representing the overall. Well, how do you not go with Deron Bland? I'm vacillating between <laughs> Bland and Vanderesh. You have to go Bland. Why? Well, just, I mean, two interceptions and one for score. No, 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 uh, that's not, we know that because he's. Oh, my gosh, I'm running out of money. Oh, my God. going to have to take out a second mortgage <laughs> on the don't house. Say it. A second. I was waiting for Christy to there say it. I was laying her Anything up. but bland. Thank you, Christy. You bet. See, and I don't have to put, you don't have to put any money I, Okay, I'm going with it. Van Der Esch just because of that. Your turn, Aisha. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> give me the layup there. If I'm going to go offense, which I guess I will. Okay. Um, I want to say I'm I'm going to listen. I'm going to go Ferg. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go Ferg, Ferg yeah. because his plays were big. There were some he had some big third down catches and I just think the more that he takes that upward climb, he's going to and he gains respect on film. He's gonna be. I just, I just think his yak ability and some of the things he brings are, are unique to this team and unique to the tight end position. And the more that he grows and becomes a threat, it's gonna start making things even more hard for these secondaries to pick and choose who they want to take away. He stretches the field so well. Mm-hmm. I want to see how he builds from that. So that's my game ball guy. A couple fun facts about your game ball guys. Leighton Vanderish. That was his first scoop and score since mm-hmm. high school. That's what Dan Quinn told us during the press conference. As for Ferg, that was the most receiving yards he's had in a game as a Dallas Cowboy so far, Good. 77 yards. All right. So, well, who were you going for your well, game those ball? those were both of mine, so that's why I had those just sitting waiting. So <laughs> I'm going to switch course here. I'm going to give my game ball to Brian Anger. I don't think Brian Anger gets enough love. I don't think he gets enough appreciation. We've talked about this. 
But without Brian Anger's ability to be Brian Anger, you would know there was a problem. If Brian Anger could not punt that ball like he does, for one. And for two, that fake field goal would not exist without Brian Anger. He had a nice little touch on it. Nice he had a good little throw. Nice uh, little touch. Who was it that was joking in the press conference about quarterback three there with the, with the throw in? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm going to go Brian Anger. I think that trick play on special teams did so, so much more than putting two points on the board. It really did. It it created this new level of a threat for this Dallas Cowboys team, and I'm just so happy Bones Fossil uh, decided to go through with it. And, yeah, I'm going Brian Anger. Yeah, only yeah, people happier are Anger and Chauncey Golston. So. Yeah, and Chauncey, <laughs> obviously Chauncey, yeah, but yes. I'm going to go Brian Anger. I think it shows your team that you're not afraid to do what you got to do to win. Right. Fearless. And yeah, and heck yeah. I mean, scared yeah. money don't make no money. And so, yeah, for them to try something like that, yeah, it's, it sets the tone. There we go. All right. Well, unfortunately, we will not be back until Thursday of this week. So we're going to take a little hi- hiatus Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to have plenty to talk to you about here on the podcast. So make sure to tune back in. Four o'clock Central Time, DallasCowboys.com. For Christy, Aisha, and Jess, thank you all so much for joining us each and every week. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. Go enjoy your Victory Monday. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see you back here on Thursday. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!